amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, crazy martinis for you. Grab a stool. We are ready for you and ready to chat about our martinis today. Jim, turns out border walls, border security actually works. And even the Biden administration is starting to recognize this, although they're downplaying the significance of this development. Washington Times Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas told department employees he may restart border wall construction to plug what he calls gaps in the current barrier. In a conversation with Immigration and Customs Enforcement employees last week, Mr. Mayorkas was asked about his plans for the wall, and he said that while President Biden has canceled the border emergency and halted Pentagon money flowing to the wall, quote, that leaves room to make decisions on finishing some gaps in the wall. Mr. Mayorkas, according to notes of the ICE session reviewed by the Times, said Customs and Border Protection, which oversees the wall, has submitted a plan for what it wants to see happen moving forward. Uh, On and on it goes. And so we're talking about gaps, gates, and areas where the wall has been completed, but the technology has not been implemented. So in true Alejandro Mayorkas fashion here, Jim, he's downplaying the obvious, but... uh, Nonetheless, uh, there is going to be at least some enhancement along the border. We'll see how much good it does, but uh, it can't hurt. Yeah, I mean, inadvertently, this may end up being one of the most consequential decisions of the Biden administration. Yes, it's early. And and yes, it is certainly not uh, a wholehearted embrace of all the previous administration's policies, but it does acknowledge that border fencing has a role in enforcing border security and in um, fighting illegal immigration. And that is not something that the Biden administration wanted to recognize. They always had the option of saying, we are going to stop half of all border wall construction, or we're going to stop 90%. Uh, but anything that's already, anything that's in mid project, we're going to let that finish uh, before we start any new projects or something like that. Or they could have said, we're going to do a 90-day review to see where it is most needed and we're going to approve some and we're going to disapprove some. They didn't do any of those things. They said immediately upon signing the executive order, border wall construction stops, period. Full stop, no pun intended, right? And that was a representation of what most Democrats believe, that Trump had spent five years talking about his big, beautiful wall And obviously what we got was not necessarily big and beautiful and it wasn't painted gold and all that kind of stuff. It was fairly normal border fencing. In a lot of cases, it was replacing fencing that had been there before, but it started to get dilapidated. No, it was not absolutely impenetrable. No, you could find cases in which people had managed to climb over or found really high ladders or things like that. But it didn't need to be utterly impenetrable. If you look at the testimony of Customs and Border Patrol, They didn't say we needed the Great Wall of China from the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean. 
they said well, there are certain sectors they wanted the fencing because it would effectively act as a funnel. <laughs> it would effectively make people who wanted to cross the border would try to go to the portions where there wasn't border fencing. And that's where the border patrol would have all their guys and it would be much easier to catch these people. Uh, would you ever have a perfect impenetrable border? No, it's not terribly likely, but you'd be able to gradually and steadily reduce it. And that by a lot of standards would be pretty darn good. It would be a significant improvement upon what we're in right now. We will see just how much the Biden administration Department of Homeland Security decides to restart uh, these border wall projects. I'm not counting on a lot, but they have they're on the verge of conceding the principle that border fencing is not inherently evil. It is not inherently bad. It is not inherently an expression of xenophobia or, or some other dastardly bad thing. It is in fact a good thing and arguably a necessary thing when you look at the rate of migrants attempting to cross the border and enter the country illegally. The Biden administration keeps having to learn this lesson hard over and over again, but there's this very interesting kind of parallel. You look, talk to a lot of, you know, not, not your average Democrat, but let's say your average progressive. They're usually not big fans of Bill Clinton. And they're, you know, if you talk to their, you know, their counterparts over in the United Kingdom, they're not really big fans of Tony Blair. And while Tony Blair and Bill Clinton were figures in the uh, parties of the left, they were Democrats, they were, you know, Blair was in the Labor Party. Um, they basically ended up, for everything they didn't repeal, everything they did not completely overturn and try to undo and push back against, they end up ratifying the decisions of Reagan and Bush and, and over here in the United States and Margaret Thatcher and John Major over there in the United Kingdom. And that's what Biden may end up doing on this with Trump. Not Look, he's not going to have the same border control policies as Trump did, but each thing that he ends up leaving in place or ends up restoring, as we're seeing with this wall construction, is a de facto concession and the creation of a bipartisan agreement Yes, this particular policy has to stay in place, even if it was enacted by a president we disagree with and all, all kinds of stuff. And that is a very big potential legacy for the Trump administration. Yeah, it's another uh, sign that uh, policy is more complicated than campaign slogans. It's also, like you said, a reminder that walls work. I remember when uh, the world was condemning Israel for its uh, wall along the West Bank. Well, guess what doesn't happen much anymore? Terrorist attacks in Israel. It's almost, uh, it's very rare to hear about those anymore. Uh, and Jim, on a, on a lighter side uh, analogy, it's it's like having a good offensive line. It's not anything you or I would be familiar with, but uh, you know, you, you keep your pocket clean, uh, good things happen. Uh, if you just let anybody through, uh, bad things tend to happen. I was going to say, you're speaking a different language, Greg. I don't, I've no, I have no frame of reference for that, for what you're talking about. <laughs> I have faint uh, but vivid memories of uh, my team being able to breach the wall uh, a, a generation ago, but uh, actually being able to protect the quarterback, that's that's a foreign concept. All right, but let's talk about something that's not a foreign concept because they're made in the United States. My pillow uh, is more than just a fantastic pillow. Now they are giving the same attention to their towels as well. And I use these towels. They're fantastic. Got the bath towel, the washcloth, the hand towel, all very soft absorb fantastically, if that's a word. And right now, three Martini Lunch listeners get two of the six-piece towel sets for one low price and free shipping. My pillow towels have proprietary technology that makes these towels highly absorbent. They are soft to the touch without that lotion-y feel. They have a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. 
They're washable, they're dryable, and they have seven colors to choose from. The single six-piece set includes two bath towels, and they're big, uh, good towels, 30 inches by 56 inches, a two-pack of hand towels, a two-pack of washcloths, really high-quality stuff. So go to MyPillow.com to learn more and to order. Right now, three Martini Lunch listeners, Get all six-piece towel sets, buy two for one low price, and free shipping. Just use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or when you call 800-874-0104. That's MyPillow.com, code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104 for two six-piece towel sets for one low price and free shipping. All right, Jim, we got a little bit of a concession from the Biden administration on the border. Still a mess. If you want to know more about that, read the morning jolt today. Uh, but let's talk about the win that the Biden administration got today. And it could have significant consequences on U.S. policy, on our wallets and a lot of other things going forward. CBS News, the Senate parliamentarian has advised that a revised budget resolution can include reconciliation instructions, opening a path for Democrats to pass spending legislation by a simple majority vote, an aide for Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Monday. Actually, I guess it was yesterday. Budget reconciliation, a parliamentary procedure to bypass the two-thirds requirement for legislation, was used to pass President Biden's $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan without any Republican support. The determination could be key for Democrats on top issues in a 50-50 Senate. Schumer's spokesman called the parliamentarian's determination, quote, an important step forward that is this key pathway is available to Democrats if needed. So the big thing, basically the Senate parliamentarian is saying you can use this one more time in the current fiscal year, which runs through September, and then they can trot it out again which they'll probably get approval to do. Uh, and so they're almost definitely going to use this on the infrastructure bill, Jim, which much like the COVID relief bill doesn't have a lot to do with infrastructure. Despite the title here, they're going to cram a lot of Green New Deal stuff in there. They want to gut uh, the right to work. They want to kill the gig economy. There's so much in here that's unrelated to infrastructure, but part of the wider far left agenda. And with a 50-50 Senate, all you need is all the Democrats to hang together. You get the vice president to break the tie and this other two to three trillion dollar monstrosity becomes the law of the land. There's nothing Republicans can do about it. And I'm not sure where you're going to get the Democratic vote here because there's a lot of pro-union stuff, which is going to make Joe Manchin happy. So if he can shave off a couple of crazy Green New Deal provisions, which might not be good for West Virginia, I don't see him being the guy that's the standing in the gap here. Yeah, there's, there's really nothing to quibble with in your analysis there, Greg. The only thing I would note is that, as far as I can tell, this is not an, this is a correct ruling by the Senate parliamentarian, even though it's not what I want to see and not what I would prefer. Um, the, you, know, you may recall a couple of weeks ago when the Senate parliamentarian on the COVID, um, COVID relief, and you can't see me making air quotes as I call it that, uh, Bill, she said that the $15 an hour nationwide minimum wage could not be done through reconciliation. It was not related to the budget. And our listeners may recall the, the outpouring of outrage at the Senate parliamentarian. How dare she? Is she, the, is she the dictator of the country? Democrats should fire her. Clearly, she is some right wing plank. Oh, she, she said we can do reconciliation twice? No, no, she's good. She's fine. <laughs> um, as far as I can tell, she's calling it as she sees it. And this is you know, there are some rulings that's going to go the way the Democrats want. There are some ways that ruling is going to go the way the Republicans want. I don't think she's putting her thumb on the scale in, in any particular direction. I, I do think it is a reflection of how um, the, the philosophy of governing that has taken root 
And he was clearly at work in the Trump administration. It clearly was at work in the early days of the Obama administration. And yeah, you can probably make an argument of early days of Bush and Clinton too. This idea, a new president comes to town. They've got congressional majorities. They don't have a very big congressional majority, although you could argue Obama had a, a pretty big one. Pretty short-lived though. Um, and this idea of, well, we better pass everything we can because we think we're going to do badly in the midterms. And thus we got to push through as much of the stuff we want to do as possible, spend as much, just, just get it all through because we got to do it by November, 2022, because we don't know what's going to happen. Then we're probably going to get slammed. We're going to lose our majorities and then we won't be able to do anything. Or you could just try to build a bipartisan consensus on what you want to do and not do all these things that are unpopular. Then maybe you wouldn't have a disastrous midterm. Has anyone tried that idea? We certainly haven't tried it in like four presidencies. It'd be really kind of wild if somebody said, oh, the opposition is unified in, 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 uh, in this and we can barely get 40, we can just, just barely get 50 votes for this. Well, maybe we shouldn't do it then. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that, that doesn't strike me as a crazy philosophy of governing, particularly if you spent the last year insisting this was a battle for the soul of America and you're going to be the grand unifying figure. If you are a grand unifying figure, you probably should not be trying to pass big sweeping bills by a 50-50 uh, you know, majority with your vice president breaking the tie uh, and not being, not being able to be like, if, again, if Susan Collins can't be persuaded, if Lisa Murkowski can't be persuaded, these are not ungettable senators. These are not frothing at the mouth right-wing maniacs that are, you know, uh, going to be obstinate about any particular proposal here. I think, though, your assessment is correct. I think we're probably going to get a version of the current bill being flo it's floating around. Manchin will probably want some sort of window dressing con concession. So probably he will get, they'll probably, you know, effectively go behind the scenes and say to Manchin, okay, pick out the two worst things in this and we'll take it out. And there are your wins. You can't, you don't really get to change the total bill spending that much. Um, I saw he wants to raise the corporate tax rate, but not as much as um, the Biden administration wants. I think instead of 28 or 29, he wants it closer to 25 or something like that. So I mean, we're going to have tax hikes that get pushed through on what will probably be a party line vote in the House and a party line vote in the Senate. They will, be, they will pass this year. They will kick in in 2022. And I figure if you're a congressional Republican, you know, being able to say my opponent voted for this uh, tax hike and I did not, I did everything I could to stop it. You know, the only way you can get this undone is to give this a Republican Senate and a Republican House. You know, Republicans have to be pretty pleased with that particular outcome. But all in all, they'd rather not have the tax hikes at all. And that's what this bill is probably going to do. Lisa Murkowski is probably not going to vote for much in the Biden agenda. Did you see her polls lately, Jim? She's uh, not doing well in an all candidate uh Poll, she's at 18%, 18.8%. And there's another Republican in the race. I believe her name is pronounced Kelly Shabaka is at 33.6%. So I don't think Lisa Murkowski is going to be doing a lot of favors for Joe Biden as she gets closer to that primary. She spent her big concession. <laughs> she wants to put as much space between that concession and election day as possible. We'll see what happens there. But uh, let's talk about uh, other ways to get things right. Well, Lisa Murkowski does some damage control in Alaska and uh, the Democrats get what they want on reconciliation. You can get your financial house in order, even if Congress can't. Uh, with today's low interest rates, it's time to refinance those student loans. You can break out of the student debt cycle and Ernest can help you by refinancing. So say goodbye to stressful student loan payments and take charge of your future with Ernest. Earnest offers low-rate student loan refinancing. You can check your rate risk-free in just two minutes. With Earnest, you get radically flexible payments, and you can pick your loan term. 
By refinancing, you can reduce your loan term, save money, or combine multiple loans into a simple monthly payment. And if you have questions, you can even talk to a real live human being at Earnest for help. Now, isn't it time you stopped feeling overwhelmed by all your student debt? Well, Ernest is also giving Three Martini Lunch listeners a $100 bonus. Refinance your student loans at earnest.com slash martini. Remember that terms and conditions do apply, but once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you visit earnest.com slash martini to refinance your student loan. It's not available in all states. And again, terms and conditions apply. All right, Jim, yesterday we talked a lot about Democrats. The Democrat outrage uh, complex, I think, is what you called it. I hope you've trademarked that because somebody will probably steal it pretty soon if you don't. Uh, but it's perfectly accurate as to how this uh, groundswell, if you want to call it that, of outrage over the Georgia election bill resulted in Major League Baseball deciding to move its all-star game out of Georgia. And yesterday they announced it's going to Coors Field in Denver, which also is in a state that requires voter ID. So... Way to go, MLB. Way to way to make your point there. Uh, but nonetheless, Joe Biden, who, of course, got into this debate last week when he was in an interview with Sage Steele. We talked about that. But let's just refresh your memory. She asked him point blank, what do you think about this idea of uh, moving the All-Star game? So, Mr. President, what do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their All-Star game out of Atlanta because of this political issue? I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. And so very shortly after that, the uh, the pressure built and built, and MLB announced that they were going to move the game. But all of a sudden, with the, the New York Times and the Washington Post saying, you know, this really isn't voter suppression, and more people taking a look at the bill and deciding, I kind of like what's in here, actually— the White House is trying to walk this back, and I don't think it's working, Jim. Yesterday, Jen Psaki at the White House was asked about this, and here's what she said. Quote, he was not dictating for what Major League Baseball should do, that they should, and then she changed thoughts, dictating that they should move the All-Star game. That was their decision. They made that decision, and as he stated earlier, he certainly supports that. And she said that Biden's remarks should be considered in context Quote, he supports them being able to make that decision and respond to what their players, you know, asks or are given many of them are impacted, of course, by these laws. And then after all that word salad, she says she's trying to articulate clearly to everyone what he said. So, Jim, uh, I don't remember it going that way, but uh, you'd think with the victory lap that the left was doing after this announcement that Biden wouldn't be running away from it. But he is. It's amazing how this is turning a little bit. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, one of the writers for The Atlantic the other day made the observation, we was talking about the uh, 60 Minutes hit piece on Ron DeSantis. And, and he made the observation that a lot of members of the media who are used to fighting against Trump and getting, I, some listeners aren't going to like this, but let, let, let's say less than fully competent pushback, right? Or having an opponent who lives down to the worst criticisms uh, of him. They're, they're not used to dealing with a DeSantis who's actually much, uh, much just, just much better at this, has much better political instincts. And, you know, DeSantis put out the lengthy transcript of what he said and how, you know, 60 Minutes had taken two small segments of it and made it sound like he'd said something he completely hadn't done. We never, we saw very little of that from the Trump administration over a four-year period. Certainly not enough. What we're seeing here, like the, the, the left has bought, Democrats have gotten used to whenever Republicans want to make a change to voting laws, this is the new Jim Crow, right? This is, this is the worst thing imaginable. Now here's, they think back to Jim Crow, like 
people are getting lynched, right? Like that. Nobody's getting lynched with this, with this, you know, voting law. You can like it, you can dislike it, you can see provisions you don't think are are fair or something. We can have that debate, but it's not on par with that. And as many people point out, it's very comparable to lots of other states. The situation in Georgia is better than 17 other states uh, when it comes to no excuse absentee voting. Um, it's very comparable to Colorado on the voter ID requirements. It's very comparable on, uh, you know, you got to submit your ID the first time you apply. Now, the other thing is that Colorado is a vote by mail state. And I think most people would say a state where everybody votes by mail is kind of a different ball of wax than a state where you still show up at the voting uh, on the polling place on election day. Anyway, the point going here is that Biden, if you'll recall, in that ESPN interview, got asked about the Major League All-Star game. Remember back when, you know, they used to say to Trump, are you considering X? And there was like a 99% chance Trump would say, oh, yes, we're looking at that very seriously. We're thinking very definitely about that. Whether or not that was true, Trump didn't want to look like, oh, no, we haven't thought about that at all, right? Biden, if you ask him, do you think we should do X to protest the Georgia voting law? He's got to say yes to it. He can't say, oh, no, no, it's not that important. He can't say, oh, no, no, that's not, you know. So when he was asked about, earlier this week, I'd raised the question of like why the Major League Baseball All-Star game but not the Masters this week or the college football games or the PGA Tour coming to Georgia later this year or the U.S. Tennis Association event. Why is Major League Baseball's all-star game the one that is obligated to move or move out of the state, but none of these other big sporting events are? And I think the only answer is, is that Biden got asked about that one. And if Sage Steele had asked about the Masters, Biden probably would have said, yeah, they should move that too. That there was nothing Biden was going to say, oh, no, that one's different. They shouldn't move that one, right? Um, so all of a sudden, Major League Baseball feels like the president of the United States is giving them a not-so-subtle, he's not directly ordering them to do it, but he clearly is putting a, strongly endorsing moving it. They felt a great pressure to do it. By the way, they shouldn't have. They, they, I don't think this is necessarily going to work out well for them. People are pointing out that Colorado's you know, laws aren't that different. They apparently didn't consult with the players, didn't consult with players' unions. It just kind of this. There was this momentum that just kind of happened. Once you've said something is as bad as Jim Crow, or in the case of Biden, remember he didn't just say it was. It's not just Jim Crow. It's Jim Eagle. Whatever the <laughs> hell that means. But like, but his idea is that what this election law does is worse than Jim Crow. Right? Democrats kind of got trapped by their own momentum on this thing. They couldn't say, ah, you know, it's not that bad. You can keep the all-star game where it is. So now they're in this situation. And now, by the way, I think because they've moved it, you're going to see this disappear because as many people have pointed out, you know, Cobb County, uh, you know, like this is going to end up hurting uh, you know, a, a heavily black city, heavily black neighborhoods, heavily black vendors who were, you know, expecting to have this big influx of people. Now the All-Star Game is like a, a three-day event. They got the, the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby. It's like three days of a big, you know, three days of big crowds coming to your to your baseball game. It's not the biggest, you know, uh, uh, you know, economic driver for a city they could possibly get, but it's a it's a pretty big deal. And now they're not going to get it, and the people who are going to be most hurt by it are probably not the same people who voted for all the Republican state legislators who passed this. And more than a few Atlanta Democrats are saying, <clears throat> "You just uh, screwed us over." This, this was not what we were calling for. And you saw this bizarre you know, two-step by the Stacey Abrams of the world where they're saying, well, yes, we, we support this, but we kind of hope you come here and still spend your money and, and all kind of stuff. So yeah, Democrats found themselves in this. And now in a way, Biden has to you know, say, well, look, I didn't order anybody. I just said they should do this, but I supported them, but I'm not direct, you know, all kind of stuff. Um, this is one of those things where like, we now have such a, a, um, 
a, a social media and, and just national political media environment where causes come out of nowhere and then they suddenly turn into the biggest deal in the whole wide world and action must be taken before any of the facts can get digested that you end up making very bad decisions like this. And I suspect, Greg, that's not the last time we're going to see this phenomenon in our, in our political life or certainly not during the, the Biden administration. Yeah, I hope voters are paying close attention to Stacey Abrams' tactics here because, uh, you know, she's, she's one of these people that likes to yell a lot from the sidelines. And she actually did uh, do quite a bit to, to help Democrats do well in Georgia last year. But uh, on issues like this, she's been very vocal from the sidelines. And it's one of these situations where usually people don't listen to her to the point of actually doing what she wants them to do. And this time they did. And she's like, oh, uh, yeah, I didn't actually want you to not come. It's a good window into uh, people who uh, demand that you do stuff. And then when people actually do that, they, they kind of realize the significance of what they were calling for uh, and that they weren't really thinking about it in the first place. Is it Friday yet, Greg? No, only Tuesday. We'll see what the rest of these crazy people have in store for us the next three days. Jim, have a good one. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. We are very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. You can get us on those home devices. Just say, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday. And please join us Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, well, let's talk about some more good news, and that's Four Patriots, where you can find them at fourpatriots.com slash martini and find all the great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. As we always say with Four Patriots, you need to be prepared because you just don't know when the power is going to go out. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X worth its weight in gold because it has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run all the big appliances like your fridge, your freezer, and medical devices. Comes with 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Never needs gas, thanks to that solar panel. Fume-free, silent, and safe. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4Patriots.com martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4Patriots.com martini. That's 4Patriots.com martini. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.